0: All right. Let me go ahead and share my screen. Okay, wait a second here. Just give me one second to get this up and running. Share screen. Okay, here we go. Okay, well, welcome again to the Scrabble Conservatory Arts and Worship, Worship Center um, on behalf of Apostle Teresa Harvard-Johnson and those who are leaders and uh, members of the conservatory. We appreciate you. We thank you for being here. So I am not going to belabor the time. I'm going to jump right into the teaching. We are Tonight, we are... Um, continuing our teaching on uh, the teaching series on the mind of the prophetic versus the mind of magic. And um, we've been getting some uh, phenomenal insight, revelation, and understanding in that regard. And uh, we're going to continue with that tonight prayerfully. What we've been getting has been resonating with you. um, And not just in a sense of hearing it, but in a sense of provoking you uh, onward into maturing and transforming and moving into your full sonship uh, in God. So as always, we start our um, presentations and teachings with a copyright notification and disclaimer, just so that you know we're in compliance and and we do that also to keep everybody else accountable and in compliance in terms of understanding what we're using, it's original and um it is protected. So just as a recap, um these are just some bullets from things that I extracted from what Apostle Teresa has been teaching and what what has been um expounded on or uh more information has been given to us on Tuesday nights at Bible study. But um, sorcery, and it, it's uh, this goes right back to the comments that Minister Chiquita made. She talked about how Apostle made the distinction for us that sorcery or sorcerer is really about dealing in poison, um, not about the witchcraft that we have historically been taught uh, in our uh, Christian living and um, rearing. You know, we think that witchcraft is everything else, but uh what is what it really is, or a part that we overlook. So sorcery is uh dealing in poison or a poison dealer. And um she talked last I, I believe it was on Sunday, um, she talked about how she talked about Simon, which she did like a recap on uh Sons of Skiva, and then the um the damsel that followed Paul um declaring the truth, not from the proper source, but he cast the uh the the spirit out of her. But what I want us to see in this recap from the examples Apostle Teresa used is that in each case there was a situation where belief was belief happened. Some people entered into a place of belief, but they could not enter into or advance beyond their belief. They were only able to believe and be baptized, but they could not access the power of God. They could not establish the connection with Holy Spirit to move from belief into a place of maturity, into a place of growth and growing and transforming. And that happened as a result of choice. It was not that God did not want that, want them to move beyond belief. These people made a decision. In the case of Simon, he wanted to access the power of God for his own uh, desires, for his own agenda and intent. And because his heart wasn't right, he could not enter in. He could not make the exchange by giving up his will in exchange for God's. And as it pertained to the sons of Skeva, when you when you read that, and as Apostle took us through that on Sunday, you see that there were there was a mixture in the group. Some people believed, some people didn't. And these Jewish exorcists, watching what Paul was called to do take place and seeing the results of his obedience to God's instruction, caused them to want to do the same thing. The distinction, though, is that Paul had the appropriate connection with God. He had moved beyond belief into advancing and growing and maturing in God and obeying God and and moving into a deeper and intimate relationship with God. So he was able to actually carry out the instructions that God had given him and see results uh, because of that. They tried to do the same thing, tried to cast out a a demon in the name of Jesus that Paul preacheth. So of course that demonstrates there was no connection to God and they got, they got beat up and run out of town. So they could not ask the access, the power of God, because even as, um, Apostle Teresa, uh, shared, and I thought this was phenomenal, uh, they were trying to establish or, or garner a business model. It was about money for them. It was about, making their name great it was about making their pockets fat and so it was about them establishing influence concerning them and had nothing to do with making a true connection with god and even as it was shared on sunday the fact that they fled the area um that that demonstrated that there was no opportunity for them in that context anyway, in that situation, to make a connection. They, even though they had heard uh, the word that was preached and and saw what was going on, they did not stick around even after getting beat up to repent or try to come into right relationship or really believe and move beyond. They, They left the area so there was no opportunity for connection to be made. And the last example uh, we were given was the uh, the young woman who was operating in the spirit of divination. Now, the Bible doesn't give us detail on whether or not she believed um, or if she didn't. that detail wasn't necessarily there. But we do see that uh, it is, again, a mixed crowd. Some people did believe and some people didn't. But we see that the masters, this young woman's masters, who were making money off of what she was doing, they got upset and they, you know, took um, took Paul to be tried and all of that. But they did not move beyond hearing the word of God and believing the word of God because they could not profit from it any longer. And um, so that's just another example of choice being the barrier when we decide um, God honors our decision and they by choice could not enter into relationship with God, whether it was to initially believe or whether it was to move beyond that place of belief into a place of relationship. So some other things that apostle shared um, that really stood out to me is that we cannot expect the kingdom of God from Babylon. We cannot expect the kingdom of God from Babylon. The world is the world, it's gonna do what it does and the world publishes and heralds what it knows and understands. We get upset about the world being evil, the world being wicked, people doing things that the world does. And uh, honestly, it's a waste of energy. Now we can have a heart for them to wanna know truth but for us to have an expectation of them to do anything other than what it's it, what it's built to do we are setting ourselves up for um to be frustrated and angry and that's not God's intent so we need to really uh disconnect ourselves from uh wanting the world to to abide by the mandates of the kingdom um Let me see. Uh, she She also talked about the flesh uses the language of the kingdom to perpetuate its agenda. Now, this was phenomenal because this is going to be the basis of our teaching on tonight. We have seen this time and time again. And if we are honest, I'm sure we'll all agree that we all have done the same thing somewhere. We've either done it out of ignorance Or we've done it um, knowingly because we were looking to exact a certain outcome, Um, whether it was to get money, whether it was to uh, get influence, whether it was to have our name in lights and, you know, all these these things that that cater to our our fleshly desires. So the flesh, what it does is it uses the language of the kingdom. It leverages it to perpetuate what it wants. So that's what we're going to be talking about in more detail tonight. Um, Last two bullets. When we come into the kingdom, we should enter into the process of deconstructing the world system out of us. This is so good because it demonstrates the the difference between just um, believing and doing outward things and how once we move beyond that point of entry, that those who are really serious are able to um, now, this is going to be gradual and incremental. It's not going to necessarily happen in one instance. But those who are willing to move beyond that entry point of belief, they will move into their full sonship through a process of growth, exchanging what they want for what God wants, exchanging their um desires for God God's desires. So that's that's the deconstructing the deconstructing um, process that we're talking about here. And as it pertains to uh, the mind of magic, what happens is a lot of people don't enter into this place, of that deconstructing the world system out of them because they want to control the narrative, control what is going on, and they want to hold on to what they have garnered to that point while still trying to live the life that Christ uh, lived the life of Christ in this earth. And it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. So we need to be very careful to to make sure that we are not operating out of the mind of magic, that we are truly operating out of the prophetic, out of God's heart and intent um, and allowing Holy Spirit to do the work in us to extract and eradicate the world out of us so that the kingdom can come forth in fullness. And the last point I want to make in terms of the recap um, is that Holy Spirit is the distinction. Holy spirit is the distinction. If we look at all three examples that apostle has taught over the last couple of weeks, we see that none of them were able to enter into really, uh, having that relationship really being able to access the power and the, and the, um, the oneness and the camaraderie with Holy Spirit he is the distinction that makes it that that either if we have him, it does um, communicate the prophetic if we don't if we're not moving according to God's heart, we're operating in magic. so if we can find Holy Spirit the purity of him, then we know that we are doing what we're supposed to do and we're where we sh- we're supposed to be. So that is just a quick recap. So let's jump in to tonight's teaching. Um, we talked about this earlier and uh, Apostle Teresa definitely emphasized it. When we hear the word magic, more often than not, these are the things we think about. We think about people casting spells and we think about evil spirits and demonic activity. We, we think about people mixing potions and doing incantations and conjuring spirits and all of these kinds of things. Now, all of this, some people are doing. And unfortunately, some people who believe in Jesus Christ and have, have, have made the choice for Christ and have confessed him, have brought some of these things from their uh, former life and their former existence in the world before making the choice for Christ into their now. And so some people are divvling and dabbling in some of these things. However, The conservatory is is teaching and heralding that while some of these things are going on, the greater influence and what we see more often happening in the body of Christ and manifesting in the body of Christ in terms of magic, it is coming as a result of our will. It's coming as a result of what is occurring in our soul, in our mind, will, and emotions. That is what we are talking about. Um, that is what we've been laying down and, and, and conveying. And I, wanna, I want to uh, keep in that same mindset as we talk about this on tonight. So these things are real and some people are doing these things, but this is not where you're going to see the greater influence in terms of the, the mind of magic. You are going to see it manifesting as a result of what people desire what they want, what their will is. So keep that in mind. So we have the body of Christ, which is compiled of all kinds of people. We understand that all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of cultures, and um, not to mention all kinds of experiences. Everyone was raised different by different uh, parents or or family members or whoever. Um, you know you've gone through different things whether it's job or school or training or whatever the case your financial situations are different we 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 all have different experiences so the body of christ is compiled of all of this but in the body of christ as we as we come into believing and 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 becoming part of it As as we've learned, we bring all of that stuff with us. We bring all of it with us. It It doesn't just haphazardly fall away instantly. These things come with us and over the process of time and us allowing Holy Spirit to do his work in us, those things that shouldn't be there begin to fall away. They're no longer influencing us. They're no longer causing us to make certain decisions and we are gaining strength and we are moving into the fullness of our sonship and but when we refuse when we have these times where we refuse to advance beyond our belief in Christ what happens is we begin to use our desires and leverage our desires to get what we want even though we know there's something that God wants and when we operate like that we move from understanding magic to look like this to it looking like this. Now, I want you all to take a good look at these pictures. And you know, we use pictures to really help um emphasize the point. So we understand that we um with what we've been calling the circus is not the body of Christ, not the church. Let's let's make sure that we're clear on that. We're calling the activity that goes on that has nothing to do with Christ, we're calling it the circus, the system, the religiosity, all of that stuff that is born out of flesh. That is what we're talking about when we say the circus. And so the circus is perpetuated through the flesh, which is the mind of magic. That's where, that's what we're talking about. The flesh perpetuates the mind Of magic. And it is done through two, and and it could be a whole lot of other things, but I want to emphasize these two things, through fear and through fluff. Now, what does that mean, prophet? Fear. How many of you have been under leadership or have even been the leadership who has used fear as a way to gain control over others? You preach fire and brimstone. Or you put certain things in place, rules and regulations that um, cause people to be so afraid to even live or even breathe that they they can't even they they can't even move. They're literally suffocated in their existence because they are trying so hard not to step outside of the boundaries that flesh has set for them whether or not it it could be caused because they might not uh, fully understand. They're a new believer. They haven't been uh, really studying their word. They don't really understand just out of ignorance. And so um, religion is, Notorious for this, <laughs> notorious for fear. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And so living in this place of I can't do anything, so I have to do what they tell me to do, I have to do all of these things It's always about performance. So, and if I don't, then I'm gonna bust hell wide open and I'm not gonna please God and you know i'm i'm you know i'm going to live in this existence that is just you know all encompassing uh of suffering you know all these religious mindsets and 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 paradigms that are in place because of fear so the person uh just is not able to move into a place of freedom and liberty that holy spirit brings the other side of this coin as it pertains to operating in the mind of magic, which flesh perpetuates, is fluff. How many of you have either seen or, or, or said, uh, given a prophetic word where, oh, God is gonna give you a new house, eh? He's going to give you a new car, and you're going to be married next year, and I see money coming, and all of this kind of craziness we see, so it's fluff. It has nothing to do with what God said or intends. Now, mind you, God can give us all those things, but all of those things, literally, when you look at them, when you rack and stack them, they're all confined to this temporary realm, this earth realm. The question is, what does all of that, a new house, a new car, a husband next year or a wife next year, uh, you know, all of these things, what does that have to do with God's eternal intention? Don't get me wrong. Some of those things can tie into God's internal et- intention. But the question is, for you, specific to you, is that the case? And a lot of times we latch onto those things. We latch onto that fluff and we live our lives based on the magic that has been perpetuated. And we build, we literally build our lives around stuff that will not stand. The Bible says that all of our stuff will be tried by fire and whatever is of God is what will remain. And so, if it's fluff, if it's tied to the temporal realm, it is going to fade away. It is not going to stand in the end. The only thing that's going to remain is what God intends to remain. So this is how the mind of magic works. It it, it operates in the in in the realm of fear and in the realm of uh, fluff. So and it's and and flesh is what. Pushes the agenda. Now, a lot of people have defined flesh in so many different ways. But I want to, for the for the cause of this particular teaching, flesh is not your body. Now, you know, from a natural, normal, logical definition, we have flesh on our bones and all of that, but your body cannot do anything until the soul tells it to. The mind, will, and emotions tell it to. So when your mind, will, and emotions have deliberated and a decision has been made, your body is going to carry out those instructions. Now, those who are connected to God and operating by the mandate of Holy Spirit there is a conversation happening between their spirit and their soul. They have exchanged their will for God's and now the body begins to carry out God's agenda in the earth. So bottom line the body is the body it 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 can only do what it's told to do. So we're not talking about that flesh. I'm talking about your mind, will and emotions. So when we look at flesh, it denotes our human nature, the earthly nature of man, apart from divine influence. Now, keep this in mind. It is just us and our natural existence without the influence of Holy Spirit, and therefore it is prone to sin, and it is by default opposed to God. When we operate out of our flesh that is what we're talking about it is the the sensual part of us that craves um the cravings that we have that incite us to sin now we talked about uh the sensual things um repeatedly and i'll say it again tonight it's not just just sexual it is anything that we're lusting over anything that we're craving and desiring that is not god Uh, anything in the realm of our five senses, all of that is the sensual realm. So all of those cravings that it incites in, that's what we're talking about tonight in terms of the mind of magic. That's what we mean when we say flesh. So when we talk about the will, I want you to really pay close attention here. I didn't put, I didn't add some of the verbiage for the will that we all know, you know, we know it's your desires. We know it's your intent and your motives and, and, and the place within us that where we make a decision and all that kind of stuff, you know, where we have um, we have fortified a place in us and we've decided what the outcome is going to be and, and we've engaged our full self. Well, all of that we know. But I want us to look at these bullets that indicate the root word for will. And I want us to really understand how it ties back to the mind of magic. Will in uh, Greek, it means to elect into office. Now this is mind blowing, okay? When we operate out of our will, we we have cast our vote for what we want we don't want to consider we don't want to deliberate we don't want to have a conversation or a discussion about anything else we have elected this this desire into office and we intend for it to serve its term okay i hope You are hearing me when I tell you, this is what we're talking about with the will. This is why when we don't exchange what we want for what God wants, we see magic in play and we see where a partition is set up where we cannot advance beyond the place of belief into the place of becoming all that God created us to be. The will is about elevating and lifting up what we want, what we desire above God's—this is things that you are, you already know. That part. It is also about taking upon oneself and carrying what has been raised up. This is so important. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is our everything. He is the reconciler. He is the he is the gap standard. The one who helps us to come into right relationship with God. And so he has been established and is the foundation. He has been raised up as the chief priest. He is the one. But when we move out of our will, we take upon ourselves uh, the responsibility for being the foundation. We replace him with us. We carry the responsibility of being the foundation. We carry the responsibility of being the one that is the uh, that is the center of it all. We take on the we we try to take on the influence. We try to take on the power. We try to replace Jesus Christ when we operate out of our will. We try to be Holy Spirit Junior. We try to usurp. God's authority and make ourselves the authority this is what happens when we don't exchange our will for his this is how we get into the magic it also is about us taking away from another what is his or what is committed to him just what the same thing as the previous bullet we try to as as Apostle Teresa said we try to take language from the kingdom we try to take power uh, Holy Spirit's power, we try to take everything that uh, God has ordained for us to have, but we try to get it and take it by uh, thievery, through thievery, and and um, we try to use it for the wrong reasons, so this is what happens when we're operating out of our will, and we try to take it by force. Um, we see, when we go back to the, the different examples that Apostle Teresa taught, the masters of the young, the young girl operating in the um, spirit of divination, they tried to um, exact their will upon Paul and the apostles and the disciples, because. Paul preaching the gospel caused them to lose money. It was threatening their pocket. So they, by force, were trying to hush the mouth of God's messenger so that they could come up. They wanted to replace God's influence in that area. And now, if you remember, Apostle Teresa talked about how they could have cared less about the word of God going forth as long as it didn't impact their pockets or their will. When it started coming against their will, that's when it was an issue. So they were trying to, by force, shut the mouth of God in that particular region. They were trying to take what was rightfully God's and do what they wanted to with it. And they also, when we talk about the will, it is about taking and applying to any use. This is so important because how many of you have seen or even done this, um, where you take the word of God, you find something that you believe will perpetuate your agenda or what you want it to be, and you literally bend the word around that desire so that you feel like you are in the will of God. How many times have we seen that? That is the mind of magic at work. Applying the word of God in a way where you're using it any kind of way haphazardly, but has nothing whatsoever to do with what God desires. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the mind of magic. And we, we talked about this already, the sorcerer and sorcery, dealing and poison. If you study this, as it was shared on Sunday, you'll, you'll see that it is about the using of or administer, administering drugs or magical remedies. That doesn't mean, just mean spells and potions and all of the stuff that our mind typically goes to when we talk about magic. We're talking about remedies that are birthed out of the soul realm out of the soul realm. Well, you know what, if you, um, you know, if you, uh, post this on your Facebook page, um, and, or if you do this, instead of what God told you to do, you'll get more followers or you'll make more money or you'll get more, uh, you'll get more airtime, you know, all of these other, uh, options and routes to get to where God has called you to be. This is what we're talking about in dealing in poison. You're get you're you're trying to to use other ways to get to the intended outcome, but eventually we will see that it doesn't work because God's will is God's will, and you cannot contaminate it, and you cannot alter it. Sorcery is also about altering or changing the essence of something. When you look at uh, in the natural realm, when you look at drugs, when you look at illicit drugs, because some some things are good for us. The things that got created, um, naturally, some things are good for us. But when you talk about people getting their hands on stuff and altering it from what it needs to be, and then there's ingestion, then the body is, is something happens in the body. And now the mind is altered and can't even think on its own, can't even, you can't even decide, you can't do the things that you need to do, your body is not operating like it needs to, poison is, poison will kill you, illicit drugs will kill you, anything that's altered in terms of what we're talking about, about the will of God, when you take what God intended to, uh, intended, and you try to twist it, and alter it, and change it, and add to it, and take away from it, and make it different, and modify it to fit your uh, desires. You and I are dealing poison. We are are dealing, uh, we're actually operating in sorcery. So please keep that in mind. I hope that you're hearing what this really looks like. You might not be casting a spell or mixing a potion, but when you're doing these types of things, when you are making, when you are taking God's word and his intent out of context and you are twisting it, you are operating as a sorcerer. You are operating out of the mind of magic. So, and we know that poison and illicit drugs are used to manipulate and control others. All of that is my altering. So just think about times and instances where uh, you've operated that way or you've been subject to someone operating in that way. And w- w- these are scriptures that we've seen before um, and I just put them here so you can see where <laughs> the Bible is always giving us hints and, and not just hints, but clearly telling us what is going on, how we operate in out of the mind of magic. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, being lovers of self, narcissistic, self focused. all of these things are, are the derivatives of the mind of magic. And as you get down to the last verse here, it talks about Um, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding up to a form of godliness, all things outward and temporal. um, Simon the sorcerer, all things outward and temporal. He believed and he was even baptized, all things outward and temporal, the religious mindset, all of those things, but never being able to connect to the power of God. Holding a form of outward godliness, although they have denied his power. The denial of the power of God, the denial of Holy Spirit is done by choice because there is a point where there is an emphatic no that I do not want to let go of what I want for what God wants. That's what's happening here. This is, this is a, a picture of different ways we operate out of the mind of magic. James 4, one through three, same thing. Do not all of all of these things that are happening in the last days come as a result of the sensual desires that are warring in our bodies out of this soul. All of that stuff, all of out of desire, out of our flesh, out of our will, So that, and then we get upset and angry because we can't obtain the gratification and contentment we want and seek. So then we get upset and we rebel. Or if we do ask, we ask and we fail to receive because we ask with the wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives. All of that comes out of having elected something into office out of having decided and casting our vote to say what I want is preeminent. This is what is happening when we operate out of the mind of magic. These two scriptures, again, this reiteration, you all have seen that before. So really quick, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, another scripture to show us where the mind of magic is coming out of. Now, the doings and practices of the flesh are clear. They're obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery. Now, the King James Version says witchcraft. But remember, we're not using that word because of the connotations it has out of the religious mindset. When you really study what this is about, it is sorcery dealing poison. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirits, factions, sects with peculiar opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously. Listen to the word of God. That those who do not, who do such things, those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It does not say that they aren't saved, it says they won't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? Before I even get into that really quick, when we go back up to sorcery and dealing in poison, is not everything listed poisonous? Is not immorality poisonous and purity poisonous and decency poisonous? all of these things poisonous, even down to the party spirit, factions and sects. Oh, you gotta vote for this political party or you gotta hold this particular opinion or you gotta think this way or believe this way. All of it is poison because again, it is a, a posture of you need to do it my way or you need to hit the highway type mindset. So as we as we look at all of that poison that has been listed, and the Bible goes on to say, those who do such things, those who deal in poison, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, doesn't mean that you're not saved. It, it essentially could mean that you have not exchanged your will for God's, you have not moved beyond salvation into your full sonship, or even moving towards sonship, you have decided, you have made a conscious decision to stay right where you are. Now, let me paint a picture for you. Jesus Christ came, died, rose, and secured uh, um, our right relationship with God. If we receive it, he is not going to force it on us, We can be reconciled, to. we're already reconciled to God, but some people just won't receive it. They're just not going to receive it for whatever reasons. But Jesus did his part, right? So I liken it to, hey, having done his part, he has secured an entire house for us, right? There are some believers who are going to get the key, open the door, they're gonna go in, they're gonna move in. They're going to fill the space. They are, they are going to go into the office and the living room and the dining room and the bedrooms and the basement and the garage and and, and, and and the sitting room. And they're gonna go on the back porch and, and they're gonna run the water in the sinks and they're gonna take the baths and, and they're gonna have family meals and they're going to inhabit the place. They are going to occupy the house that Jesus has secured for them. They are going to utilize it for what it's meant for. They are going to habitate. They're going to make it their habitation. But then there are some believers who are going to say yes. They're going to believe. They're going to get baptized and they're going to open the door. Some will let the door open and they'll remain right at the door. All of this house has been secured for them and paid for, but they will stay at the door and they will look in and they will enjoy the sights from the door, but they will never enter into the fullness of what was secured for them. Some will go a little further and stay in the vestibule and the foyer, and, but they'll still have the limited view and engagement Than those who make the decision to go all in, to occupy fully. So, this is what this is talking about. Those who deal in poison will not be able to come into the fullness of their sonship. They will not be able to fully possess and occupy and master what Jesus has secured for them. I hope that makes sense. So, as we continue in Galatians 5, through 26, the Bible moves from telling us what poison looks like and that we uh, cut ourselves off from entering into the kingdom if we deal in poison. But see, I love how, how good God is to us. He doesn't leave us hanging with just one piece of the, the equation. He gives us the other part. And he lets us know this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of his presence within us. It accomplishes love and joy and peace and patience, all the fruit of the Spirit. And against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, have crucified their flesh, meaning They're human, they're godless human nature, meaning they have made a choice to exchange their will for God's. They have decided that I am not just going to believe. I am not just going to be baptized. I am not just going to confess. I am going to enter into this process of deconstruction so that I can move out of infancy Infancy in Christ into full sonship in Christ, out of infancy into maturity, out of just typical, regular changes that are temporary into transformation, a place uh, 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 and and, and a posture that you can't return from, meaning you don't even want to relinquish it. So this is what the crucified flesh looks like. When we move from dealing poison and we move into the deconstruction process, we move out of magic and we literally move into the prophetic, God's heart, His will, His intent, His desires. And the Bible goes on to say if we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us listen to this, let us go forward walking in line our conduct controlled by the spirit the bible beckons us to move forward beyond just belief into becoming by way of the power of holy spirit this is how we eradicate the mind of magic by moving beyond belief and making the exchange. The Bible goes on to tell us, let us not become. It tells us what poison dealing in poison looks like. It then goes on to tell us what the fruit of the spirit is and what our life should look like as believers and what happens when we crucify and, 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 and beckoning us to crucify the flesh and living by the spirit. And then it bookends it by encouraging us not to become dealers of poison. Let us not become vainglorious, self-conceited, competitive, challenging, and provoking, and irritating to one another, envying, and being jealous of one another. The Bible is so good, and God's pattern is flawless. He is the master strategist. What poison, dealing in poison looks like, what walking in the spirit looks like, and encouraging us not to be dealers of poison. And I think I'm just about done. I want to end with this. I think I got one more slide. John 12 and 36 is a scripture that has really is fast becoming one of my favorite scriptures um, for so many reasons. And the entire chapter, uh, John chapter 12 is it's so good and it, it, it'll take forever to study it. But this particular scripture, I want you to hear this. While you have the light, believe in the light, have faith in it, hold to it, rely on it, that you may become the sons of the light and be filled with light. And Jesus said these things that he went away and he hid himself from them and was lost to their view. Jesus said this to the disciples, and this is what he is saying to us today. He is saying that while we have the light, that we need to believe in the light. But it's not just a surface belief or a verbal belief. He goes on, the the depth of this is to have faith in him, to hold on to him, and to rely on him. When we look at Simon again, he believed he was baptized, but he could never advance because he wanted to hold fast to his will. Jesus here is saying, believe in me, but believe beyond the external. I want you to have faith in me. I want you to hold on to me, not your magical remedies. I don't want you electing your desire into office to hold office over your life. I want you to elect me into office. I want you to hold fast to me and my ideas and what I want for your life. And I don't want you to just do that uh haphazardly. I want you to also rely on me and know that what I have said of you and said that you can do is real. It's truth and you will see the manifestation of it if you believe me to that degree. Because if you do, you will, this level of belief will pull you into your growth process, right? And the Bible goes on to say, he said, I want you to believe me like this so that you can become the sons of light and be filled with the light. Become is greater than uh, or I shouldn't say that. I'll put it like this. Becoming is a process. It is not instant. It is incremental. So your belief, my belief in him, having faith in him, holding fast to him and relying on his remedies and not ours, relying on Holy Spirit and not the mind of magic. It helps us to move closer and closer and to advance in our process of becoming the full-grown sons that God intended for us to be. So I hope that makes sense. And my last uh, slide for tonight, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him to teach them how to pray, one of the parts of the prayer that stands out and is so in line with what we're talking about, um, on, especially on tonight, It says, and we all know this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When it comes to the mind of magic, there is a valley of decision that we are standing in. And we have to make a conscious decision to make an exchange for leaving our will behind leaving the flesh behind, leaving the fear behind and the fluff behind and the desire to control others and the desire to be in the limelight and the desire for our name to be in lights and our name to be on people's lips and all of these things that we want that have nothing to do with God. When we stand in that valley of decision to move beyond just believing on the surface to move beyond the law of doing and move into a place of being. This is what our declaration will be. And there's so many other scriptures that I could use because Jesus is our chief example. We understand he even came to the conclusion, not my will, but thy will be done. We see it here too. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When we relinquish the mind of magic and we exchange it for God's intent, our declaration and our life and our behavior will follow. It will unfold in kind. And we will declare with our mouth and with our life that God's will is preeminent. And our desire to deal poison and to control, and to manipulate, and all these other things, we relinquish it, so I pray this made sense, um, we, I, you know, we we definitely have to consider what is happening in our own lives, we can look at a lot of things, and hear a lot of things, and pinpoint other people, and say, oh, they need to hear this, and I've seen them doing this, and that, But the bottom line is we need to be paying attention to what's going on with us and in us because we can't help somebody else if we're, you know, if we haven't entered into a deconstruction process ourselves. And so you all know I love a call to action. I'm going to leave this up here for a second. You can take a um, screenshot if you want. But in this call to action, I'm asking you, in what ways have you practiced sorcery and dealt in poison? In what ways have you manipulated circumstances or others to get your way? How have you fostered relationships and environments that bend to your will? How have you forced your desires on someone else? Manipulating and and, and making people feel guilty so they just give in to what you want. And just because a person will allow you to do something, does that mean you should be doing it? What is God saying about that? In what ways have you peddled lies and deceit to ensure your intent was preeminent? Think about these things because we've all done some of this stuff. And if we consider it now, we can equip and arm ourselves to be alert and aware so that when moments come where the temptation to move in the mind of magic tries to pull us in, we can ask ourselves am i getting ready to manipulate these circumstances so i can get what i want am i even in relationship with this person for the right reasons is the purity of god in operation or am i in relationship with them because i'm trying to leverage it to get something that god is not even in or am i lying or trying to operate in, in under the cloak of darkness and deceit so that Again, I am able to elevate what I want and and get out of this what I'm looking for. Where have we seen this in our lives? And lastly, determine what is keeping you from moving beyond belief into becoming a full son. So that is all I have. I pray that made sense and I pray you are able to extract something from it. Um, So we are going to go ahead and get into our questions and comments. We can stop the recording.